This week, the uh, presidents of eight Amazonian nations meet in Brazil to discuss the future of the rainforest. The stakes couldn't be higher. The Amazon is, yes, oft referred to as the lungs of the earth and uh, survival is vital to the global fight against climate change. Preserving the forest means uh, tackling huge challenges, uh, perhaps the greatest of which is crime. Bram Ebus, E-B-U-S, is a freelance journal, investigator and photographer from the Netherlands who is now based in Colombia. He is also a rainforest investigative fellow at the Pulitzer Centre and is a consultant for our old friend, the International Crisis Group. And he joins us now from Brazil. Welcome to the program. Could you start by telling us about the summit? Who's attending and what are they hoping to achieve? Greetings from Belém do Pará here in Brazil and thanks for inviting me. Um, well, this is indeed a very special week because for the first time we actually see that all the presidents of Amazon countries, uh, at least this is what we hope, will convene um, in the next two days. Um, we're speaking about the countries Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Guyana, Peru, Suriname and Venezuela. Um, the presidents will convene and discuss ways to ensure that the jungle is better protected because we've seen an ex existential threat, especially due to uh, raising forest fires, multinational um, companies um, digging through the forest and organized crime. Um, in this summit, we actually expect that all the presidents will set a limit um, to hold deforestation before 2030 after the Amazon um, basically hit a 15-year high um, in the last few years when it comes to deforestation. Bram, many of the sad stories we've told have, have focused on the indigenous groups who have suffered so terribly. Uh, will indigenous groups have a voice at the, at the meeting? They definitely will have a voice. I mean, I've been hearing indigenous groups chanting, yelling, protesting from my hotel room for over a few days already, and they're overly represented on the uh, preliminary preparatory events to the summit. So what we actually think is that for the first time, um, with two progressive presidents in Colombia and in Brazil, so Gustavo Petro won in Colombia last year, and um, Lula da Silva um started this term um, on the 1st of January. Both presidents have Muslim conservation and nature protection very high on the agenda. And we also see that indigenous groups are represented in both governments. And for the first time, they actually feel hurt and they think that they can leave a mark on politics. So we actually see that the governments in Colombia and Brazil, which are the two largest Amazon countries and the two biggest economies in the Amazon, actually recognize the um, uh, very important role of indigenous communities in forest conservation, especially through ancestral methods of um, cohabitating the forest. It will come as a shock to Australians that we're talking about an area covering about the, the area of this continent. And it is, of course, a giant carbon sponge, isn't it? It indeed is. The Amazon rainforest is the largest carbon sink in the world. But um, what worries us a lot is that due to deforestation, um, the, let's, let's put it like this, that the dead vegetation also emits CO2. So 
there's already um, a preoccupation that the Amazon is encroaching a tipping point in which it will actually emit more CO2 than it can absorb. So there is a global interest in conserving the Amazon because, of course, we need it to absorb um, CO2. But when the tipping point is reached and the Amazon starts emitting more, it can actually become our worst enemy. It's significant that the meeting is taking place against the backdrop of record high temperatures, which of course highlight the urgency of tackling the issue. Indeed. I think the the global community understands that um, putting money on the table towards Amazon protection is not um, just interesting from philanthropic uh, reasons, but especially knowing that the Amazon is a huge buffer in mitigating or even adapting to climate change. Um, it's of global importance indeed. Thank God that Bolsonaro is now out of the picture. Now, uh, Brad, let's, uh, you say that security should be high on the agenda at the meeting. Why is that? What we see is that crime trends exacerbated a lot, especially since the year 2016. But then we saw another period during the global pandemic when Amazon governments needed to shift attention uh, to crisis management, to the the global pandemic. And law enforcement um, basically let their guard down. Meanwhile, organized crime networks, non-state armed groups like Colombian guerrilla organizations expanded their hold over the Amazon, operating across borders, uh, forging supply chain relations with gangs in other Amazon countries. What we actually see now for organized crime is that these borders don't exist anymore. Despite uh, cultural, linguistic uh, differences, we see urban gangs from Brazil, for example, working with organized crime in Venezuela and collaborating with guerrilla movements in Colombia as if these borders don't exist. Well, the governments actually can be jealous of this criminal diplomacy because the governments still need to come up together with a regional and comprehensive uh, response to exacerbating criminal trends. Bram, we're not just talking drugs. The whole region is rife with illegal gold mining, isn't it? Yeah, economies that are causing enormous destruction in the Amazon. And actually, uh, we've been coordinating a journalistic alliance, which we call Amazon Underworld, in which more than 35 media professionals have collaborated to work in the field to actually speak to sources representing what we call the Amazon Underworld. So these people are drug traffickers, illegal gold miners, uh, gang members, uh, and commanders of career organizations. We actually want to understand why is it that they involve themselves in these economies that destroy the Amazon, because oftentimes the members um, belong to local or local farmer communities. So what we see is that oftentimes these crime networks, they come for the cocaine trade, but they stay for the gold. Um, they broaden their criminal portfolios. They reinvest drug profits into the timber trade, uh, cattle ranching, industrial agriculture. So since this is like a circle of investments, the money from the drug trade is reinvested in other economies that also contribute to deforestation and forest destruction. This is a Pulitzer Center initiative? Um, yeah, so I'm a fellow at the Pulitzer Center, and um, as a fellow, we basically set up this new media alliance, and we've been working for the last 15 months in 16 Amazon countries to not only write um, narrative stories from within the Amazon underworld, but we've also been able to quantify the presence of non-state armed groups and gangs 
in the Amazon and uh, thanks to satellite imagery uh, detect illegal mining operations and coca plantations. So what we actually found is that in all the municipalities in the Amazon where we worked, there's presence of criminal groups and armed organizations in about 70%. How are we able to access your work? So then... The work of our alliance can be consulted on uh, amazonunderworld.org, which is a multimedia platform in which we are publishing our feature stories, but also our investigative uh, elements like maps and datasets. Now, one of the things that uh, puzzles me is that Amazonian countries have had trouble uh, working together in the past Is there a sufficient reason to hope that this might be different now? There definitely is. um, Because for the first time, we have a progressive president in Colombia uh, who recognizes, for example, the failure of the war on drugs, which also implied uh, heavy warfare in the Amazon that definitely had a secondary impact on the environment. But we also in Brazil have a president who has environmental protection very high on his agenda. Knowing that the political panorama in Latin America is very polarized, it's very violent, we actually think that there's a small window of opportunity with both progressive presidents in Colombia and Brazil to get something done. You say that... uh, Oh, no, no, let me rephrase that. What do you hope will come out of the summer to, to protect the Amazon and its communities? So... There are a few things that are being rumored uh, to be mentioned in the final declarations of the the Amazon summit. For example, we think that presidents will dedicate to a limit of zero deforestation by 2030, but this is not enough for us. Um, There's also rumors about the creation of a sort of uh, Amazonian parliament and even what they are already baptizing an Amazon Interpol so that the Amazon countries can collaborate uh, together when it comes to law enforcement operations. Because what we oftentimes see is that when there is a crackdown, let's say, on illegal mining in one country, the miners just hide across the border in another country and wait until they can come back. So So those porous borders borders have to be tackled and your Interpol notion is one way of doing so. Definitely. So there must be progress on the law enforcement side, but we actually also hope that there will be a concrete proposal for local economic development to give populations uh, in the Amazon, which also amounts to uh, almost amounts to 15 million people, have alternatives um, to sustain themselves besides the illegal economy. Now, Lula must have been working in the background, laying the groundwork for this for some considerable time. Yeah, this is definitely an important summit for Lula. Also, it's because it's kind of the general repetition for the COP30 um, that in two years will be hosted by Lula in the same city, which is Belém do Pará. Tell me about uh, the deforestation. I'm told the deforestation has in fact dropped 42% since Lula was elected. Could that be true? That could be true, and it's definitely good news that deforestation, for the first time uh, since Bolsonaro came to power, um, is decreasing now in Brazil during the first uh, half year of the presidency of, of Lula. Nevertheless, the burning season, the wildfires, um, is 
is actually starting now. And while you look at the satellite imagery around Belém do Pará, which is the city hosting the Amazon summit, uh, there are fires everywhere. So it's good news, but we shouldn't be too optimistic yet. Going back, you've uh, proposed a, an Interpol notion, but you're also talking about a, a transnational organisation, which sounds a bit like a South American version of the European Union. <laughs> well, I think that might be a bit too early. We know that it's definitely uh, in the dreams of Lula and Petro to come up with a Latin American bloc of countries with concrete economic, environmental proposals to the world, which is something they hope that international donors like the United States and the European U Union could, could, could basically back with funding. But I think it's too early to say. I think it's very positive that in this summit, Amazon countries convene talk about their problems and hopefully can come up with a joint agenda. Um, and then we see what the other concrete steps can be. I'm delighted and, in fact, honoured to have you on the programme. But I have to say, there hasn't been much media coverage of the event that I've picked up. Well, I definitely think that international media is interested, uh, especially now that the temperatures are rising globally. So I think that the urgency of the climate crisis definitely hits home. And we hope that there will be more coverage uh, during the, the, the meetings of the presidents during the uh, upcoming two days. Now, while the meeting will focus on what South American governments can do, there are, are, or rather, are there actions that the rest of the world should be taking to support these efforts, uh, Bram? Indeed, there is a global responsibility for Amazon destruction because commodities uh, originating from deforested areas in the Amazon, like gold, timber, leather, meat, but also cocaine, um, all these commodities go to international markets and what we are buying in Australia, Europe, North America, Asia contributes to Amazon deforestation. So we urge foreign governments to tackle um, opaque supply chains. We need to have more traceability for Amazon products. But we also need economic backing by the international community for other economic rural development plans in the Amazon area because Amazon countries cannot fund this just by themselves. So this is where the EU and the US have a role to play. Absolutely. And they should be flooding money into this, uh, into this hopeful moment to make it come true. Yes, yeah, so there's also an issue with that. Of course, we want international funding for action in the Amazon, but since that all these criminal networks are actually governing large parts of the Amazon rainforest, we also need some kind of law enforcement approach because all the money in the world cannot save the Amazon if Amazon uh, governments are not able to rule or enter or work in their respective parts of the Amazon because oftentimes the governments we we encounter is criminal governance. So we think that corruption and law enforcement... Um, basically draining the swamp also is something that needs to be on the agenda because when we went into the Amazon in February and we needed to face Colombian guerrilla groups, river pirates, we were actually picked up and threatened by the military police in Brazil, which of course is, is a result of, of corruption and complicity of state forces. Bram, thank you very much for coming on. Bram Ebers, investigative journalist, a rainforest investigation fellow at the Pulitzer Centre and a consultant for the International Crisis Group. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.